0: The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison & Steffen, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Banana Bananarama is one of the most successful groups of all time, having sold more than 30 million albums worldwide, and they're listed in the Guinness Book of World Records for achieving the world's highest number of chart entries by an all female group with hits like Cruel Summer, Venus, and I Heard a Rumor, plus many more. And their music has been featured on TV shows like Stranger Things and Cobra Kai. Once a trio, now a duo, Sarah Dolan and Karen Woodward have a tight new 11 track album called Masquerade, and I've got both of them on the line right now from the UK. Hi, Jim. Hi, Jim. Hi, Karen and Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me. Boy, the reviews are so good, and rightly so. I, I've listened to about four or five tracks on your new album. It's fantastic.
1: Thank Thanks you. so much. We've had great reviews here. We're just so thrilled because this is our 40th year. You know, it's our, such a long career, and it's just worth... Celebrating with us, you know, our twelve studio album, and, and we're just so thrilled that people have um, given us such a great response to it. Really happy.
0: Yeah, I'm listening to the newer stuff and comparing it to the older stuff. I mean, there's no comparison in terms of just with the advances in technology, how wonderful you sound, anyway.
1: I'd say we, we've kind of really spent a lot of time, you know, getting the direction right and the sounds. We we're really hands on in studio, and we've really had loads of references and how we wanted it sound. So, you know, we are really thrilled with it, and that, that, that I think, is why the response has been so amazing.
0: And reunited with uh, your producer, Ian Masterson, yes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've been working with him um, for the best part of 10 years, and we just have a fantastic understanding of each other, and we'll, he's willing to try all our ideas and we sometimes listen to him, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we have we have a lot of fun in the studio and, and find it a really good creative environment.
0: Uh, like a lot of bands, did lockdown actually afford you more time to really sharpen things <laughs> up and extend the album?
1: Yes, I mean it was originally going to be an EP, but uh, our first lockdown we wrote our autobiography, and the second one we were going to write an EP, and then the lockdown just continued, so we wrote. More and more songs. Um, I've written a couple with my daughter, Alice D, who's a singer-songwriter in her own right. Yeah. Her stuff coming out, too. Um, and we covered one of her songs, which is Favorite, and we also covered Brand New. Um, we just think she's a great songwriter, and the, those songs needed uh, a light shining on them. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, Favorite is fantastic, too. And, and uh, so, being separate during the lockdown, what was the writing process like? Was it pretty difficult?
1: So we started separately, and that's when Sarah started writing with Alice and then we were allowed to have a bubble, so I headed yeah. to london to to make Sarah my bubble and uh, <laughs> that's when we finished working on the rest of the tracks.
0: yeah, masquerade sounds great. I love velvet lies as well. You kind of i think one that's of great. you I think one of you described the vibe of this album as sort of gothic disco, which I think is brilliant.
1: Terran. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's pop and it's dance, but I think there's a sort of depth to it that, that takes it away from maybe some of the stuff we did in the 80s or earlier on in our career. I think there's a mood to it, um, whether that's because it came in lockdown, I don't know. But I think it's very reflective, but also very hopeful for the future. Um, I think a lot of people had a lot of time to think, <laughs> and it's, it's come through in the album.
0: I feel like it's it's kind of beautiful, and you can actually hear life experience as well as a life well-lived in this album. It's it's just so cinematic to me.
1: That's absolutely true. I mean, it really was, um, lyrically, uh, definitely a lot about what we used to do growing up, all our adventures because Karen and I have known each other since we were babies. I went to school together. So it's just remembering all those times as well as, you know, future stuff. Yeah, definitely.
0: I've talked to other female bands on this show before, whether it uh, be the Bangles or the Go-Go's, and they say they felt as though, at least in the beginning, they were treated like a novelty act. Uh, Was it the same for you?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, There were so few girl bands uh, around at the time that... um, you know and if you're sort of reasonably pretty it was just oh it's poppy and pretty and it was a very male dominated world back then it's still quite male dominated but definitely you know the male rock bands were given preference over you know a little teenage girl band but um I think our 40 year career Proves you know, we had longevity there and uh, we had something to say and, you know, made a 40-year career.
0: Looking back on that time that Bob Geldof asked you to be part of the Band-Aid charity, the video and song, Mm -hmm. did you have any idea Uh, at the time how momentous this was going to be?
1: No, we had no idea how momentous it was going to be or who was going to be there. It was only really when we got out of our very dodgy little little golf car out with a with <laughs> out the back seat um that was still sting walking down the road that we actually realized or oh, had a taste of what it was going to be we we were asked by bob personally to take part in a charity record and of course we said yes and uh yeah it turned into a huge phenomenon but no 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 expectations of of it being that huge but hugely thrilled to have been asked to be part of it, obviously.
0: Uh, It was kind of a last-second thing, and I understand at least one of you was maybe a little hungover during the recording uh, session. That
1: was Karen. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put my hands up for that. I hadn't even washed my hair. I think I'd been out most of the night. <laughs> Never mind. It's not like anyone's going
0: to see it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it, yeah, it raised, what, $350 million, I think, for famine relief when all yeah, was said and extraordinary.
1: done.
0: You were on Top of the Pops in 1982, I believe, right out of school. What do you remember yeah. about, about that performance?
1: Well, it's a show that was huge in this country and it's one that we grew up watching every yeah. Thursday night um, as, as children and then suddenly to be on there ourselves. I think we used to dance in the audience as well as punters, but um, to actually perform on there was just, it was mind-blowing. We didn't know what to do. We're not from stage school. Um, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> sorry. We sort of just <laughs> shuffled around, really, and we didn't really know what camera to look in and I mean, we learnt what we were doing as we went along. We learned to write songs and we learned to perform um, from sort of zero to obviously where we are now, where we feel pretty confident with what we're doing. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very different performance, I think, to, to the way we are now when we're on stage at the festivals and things, where we just adore performing um, any old Field of ten thousand people will do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing too what MTV did for all of you back then because you certainly learned a lot about uh, stagecraft and and cameras and everything then.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were we were lucky, I think, to hit the the, the start of MTV. Our, our whole generation, and, and I think it was particularly good for um, the English, the, the British sort of music scene because. I think we were all quite individual as artists, both sound-wise and looks-wise. And I think that translated really well onto video, which, of course, before then it would have been difficult, but it went all over the world. So it, it meant that we could go from sort of zero to international almost overnight, which was an incredible experience.
0: Am I imagining this, or did you have a rehearsal spot that was close to where the Sex Pistols used to rehearse?
1: Yeah, Karen and I lived above. Um, it was 1981, and uh, we had met Paul Cook, the drummer, in um, a club. And our where we were living was closing down. It was the YWCA, and he said, "Oh, you can live in this room above our rehearsal room, which was absolutely shoddy. It had no bath, bathroom, and no hot water." Uh-huh. Um, but we stayed there for about six months, and. They used to come in, him and Steve Jones used to come in and, and you know jam with their new band, and we just used to go down and do backing vocals, and we learned the bass. And um, we just, he, Paul just said, well, why don't you get your own band together? We were kind of thinking about it, but he helped us produce um, our first demo, and so that's how it all started.
0: What a solid guy Steve Jones uh, is, that's for sure. Yeah. I've got to hear more about this weird story about you throwing bricks at each other's ankles when you were in school.
1: Well, when we were at school, we noticed that everyone had the um, plaster of Paris, I don't know what you call Uh, it, the car. Plaster car. Yeah, yeah. If they broke their arm, all the kids used to gather around and sign it, and you became the center of attention. So I think that was our way of trying to get attention. So we did one dinner break. We tried to, um, you know, break each other's ankles with a brick, but (laughs) it didn't work. (laughs) It's kind of slight bruise and grave, So no attention at all.
0: Yeah, I think a psychologist could do quite a bit with you, too. Um, the Sarah and Karen's new Bananarama album is available at iTunes, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your music. And, man, pick it up, because it's really great. And the tour is happening. Hopefully, you make it to uh, the States at some point. We're
1: hoping to. I mean, obviously, the last few years, have, it's been an impossibility, and everything's a bit up in the air. But Yeah. Um, hopefully next year we can start putting some more international stuff in the calendar. So hopefully see you soon.
0: Karen and Sarah, great talking to you. Good luck with everything.
1: Thank you, dear. Thank you. Thanks very much for having us.
0: And again, their album Masquerade was originally conceived as an EP, but the pandemic wiped out their live schedule in 2020 and they had more time to work on and prepare a full album, and then prepare for their current tour. And as it turns out, it's a really nice album. Well, that finishes off this episode of The Fake Show podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.